to be here. <clears throat> Honor to be here. Talk to you about Joe's Place. And uh, I'm kind of just sharing the history of Joe's Place. And I'm focusing a bit on what Hillcrest actually has contributed over the years. Um, but we had a whirlwind fall. It was busy. Youthquake and Counter were awesome. And uh, been a bit short on finances and volunteers. But I'm going to tell you the Joe's Place story. And you'll realize why I'm not really worried about that. So uh, some of you might know the story. Um, and some of you might ask, like, why is it called Joe's Place? And, uh, and I'm going to share a few key stories. Um, I was preparing for the Alliance Church. Uh, I spoke there a while back. And I actually told some stories I hadn't told in a long time. And they just highlight God's goodness. And it shows that when uh, times are tough, if it looks bad, might even appear hopeless, <clears throat> God is still there in the storm. And... Uh, I just thought maybe some of you guys are going through some tough times. You know, there's some storms in your lives. Um, maybe it's financial or health or whatever it might be. But I wanted to include those stories. And actually, honestly, I, I needed to remind myself of those. So it's also beneficial for me. Uh, it isn't the story of how Joe succeeded that is so cheesy. It is that despite my mistakes and sin and rebellion and insecurity issues and the need to earn my worth, I don't know if any of you struggle with that, um, that when I was scared and I even lacked faith, totally, that God has always been faithful. That's the story I want to tell you today. And his plan is way better than our plans for ourselves. And when it seems out of control, he's still in control and he'll use it to bring glory to his name. And if he can use me, as weird as I am, then he can use any of you for sure. So there's some rad retro pictures, some uh, fashion tips will be flashing up here. This is the story of Joe's Place, and again, I didn't name it, I didn't even plan it, it just sort of happened, and I grew up in a Christian family, and there's a picture up there, and that, uh, we're allergic to cameras, apparently, that is one miserable looking family, hey? My, my wife mocks me because it's black and white, she says, I have no black and white pictures of my entire childhood, and it's like, okay, big city girl, like, I'm from small town Manitoba, right? It's like... You know, we don't even have cable TV, right? So we got, like, Farmer Vision, the, the rabbit ears, right? Four channels. One of them's French. So, like, it is not a priority to be getting color pictures when you're watching Little House in the Prairie in French. So that's where we put our focus. My dad was a Mennonite pastor. And my mom, she made some uh, mean pierogies and ralku. Any Mennos in the room? Let's just see a show of hands. Nice. The rest of you, it is worth converting just for the food. Um, no surprise, I was a chubby kid, and uh, apparently, <laughs> some memeage going on there, apparently I wore Speedos to school, I apologize for that, you can't unsee that. Um, my dad had chronic liver disease, so I spent a lot of time in the hospital visiting my dad, and then just eating the hospital cafeteria food, which is super healthy for you. Uh, home alone, with the fridge all to myself, I like invented the blizzard, right, so like five gallon pail ice cream. You know, and then just crumple some Kit Kats in there. That was my thing. So eating was what I used to fill the void, both literally and uh, figuratively. I got high blood pressure. The doctor said I would die if I didn't go on a diet. So that's good incentive. That's helpful if you need some good weight loss advice. Uh, I became really self-conscious. Wouldn't go to swimming pools uh, or beaches. I mean, again, the Speedos probably didn't help. Um, <laughs> My mom sewed my, uh, swim, my swimming class, uh, you know, different badges on there. That was not cool either. I was, uh, anyone, does anyone mom do that? That's horrible. Don't ever do that, moms. Got all the way up to green or something, right? I was no good at sports, so I became the class clown. 
And I was the funny kid just playing, you know, practical jokes and wisecracking and uh, kind of finding my way that way and my worth. And, and when my, my dad, um, finally, when I was 12, uh, he, he passed away and I was devastated and I was bitter. I was mad at God. Right? What kind of God does that, right? In the midst of that chaos, my mom remarried and moved three hours away, left behind my friends and family, my support network, didn't get along with my stepdad. That's tricky, right? Stepfamilies is always tricky. Some of you can attest to that. And uh, had struggles fitting into my new school. At least there's all the stress, right? So that was handy. I lost weight. Uh, I'd already been dieting, but now I started like exercising like crazy. I was doing like 500 crunches a night. And like, I still have a six pack, just so you know. It, <laughs> it's just moved to the back of the fridge now, right? So the, got the bacon and eggs up front now. Uh, joined the volleyball team, ran lines till I collapsed just to uh, lose weight and uh, to fit in and to be cool and to find my worth and to fill that void. Some of you have been there. I did the class clown thing again, right? Climbed the town water tower, spray painted cold beer on it. I took my wife to see my hometown. It was still up there vaguely. You could see it. But even with all that attention and beer, um, I still felt empty. And I turned to popularity in another form, and that was the party crowd. And I took all of my inheritance, blew it on drinking and partying, Fast cars, motorcycles, guns, assault rifles. <clears throat> Didn't bring me happiness, imagine that. Drinking and driving, uh, reckless, self-destructive. I had fake ID so I could go to the bar when I was 16. I got charged with open liquor, numerous driving charges. Uh, 190 and 90 zone ticket, bunch of other ones. Had to go to court. It was my grade 12 year and I was miserable. But in all that darkness, there'd been this ray of light. And uh, once a year, there's this event I'd go to with my buddies. And ironically, at a Bible college, which was weird, little event called Youthquake. Might have heard of it. Anyone? Yes. And I went there, and there was just some hope. And the skit was awesome, and there's all these bands. The events were fun. And actually, the Voltage skit, just so you know, kind of comes out of the Youthquake skit, from what I saw at Youthquake. Um, and everyone was sober at this event, which was crazy to me. And seeds were planted in even the hardest of hearts. And there was this contest to win free tuition at, at uh, Youthquake if you filled out the forms right there at Briarcrest when you were visiting Youthquake. And uh, I, I applied for it, of course, because I'm a Mennonite, and I can't say no to free things, right? So it's like, <laughs> whatever, ballet lessons. Oh, free, yeah, sure, I'll take those, you know. Um, didn't win the contest, wanted nothing to do with the Bible, so it wasn't about that. It really was about the free tuition. Uh, but I had to get away from my bad influences, so I just jumped on my motorcycle, and I headed to Saskatchewan. Arrived at Briarcrest in 91, a little different than most. Arrived in a black Kawasaki LTD 1000 street bike with a 12-gauge sawed-off shotgun on the one side and AR-15 assault rifle on the other side. Those were legal at the time. Um, and dorm leadership was a bit shocked. They were. They were confused by that. Local police officer said I had to check my guns with him. And I'm like, yeah, no, as long as I can get them out on the weekends when I need them. And he's like, on the weekends when you need them. I don't understand what's going on. So I didn't arrive at Bible school as a Christian. I'd grown up in a Christian family, a pastor's kid, actually. But I saw something there. And it, it was cheesy at first. Like, I couldn't get over it. The kumbaya fests around the campfire and all these, those, you know, God bless and and uh, praise God's, it was really Ned Flanders quite, right? Um, but as hokey as it seemed, they had something I did not have. They had peace, and they had joy, 
They seemed to know where their worth was coming from, something I hadn't tasted for a long time. So one Sunday morning, I was sitting at the back in the chapel, kind of over in that section of the Hildebrand Chapel, and the speaker was talking about how Jesus had lifted the weight off of our backs, and we could be free. I just remember feeling sick to my stomach, and, and I had to either respond or get out, and I got out. I just ran out the back doors. I just blew open those back doors. Unfortunately, there was another guy trying to come in those doors at that time, and uh, so poor Brooke Pearson, he was that one guy in my dorm, and he, he had made an effort to actually get through my thick exterior and get to know me. Such a coincidence, right, that he was the one I knocked over. So uh, he was recovering, and he looks up at me, and he says, Joe, do you need to talk? And I said, yeah, I need to talk. And we just went around the corner, and there's some classrooms, and I just remember just pouring out my heart to Jesus, surrendered my life to him, and it, he just took this weight off of my back, weight I'd been carrying for so many years. And I just remember feeling light and burden-free. And, and I asked God, please do something with my life. I'd just been living so selfishly, just for myself. Do something with my life. I want to do something bigger than myself. And that is the freedom, people, that the gospel brings. That I have to declare to you, that we have to declare to the world and that's why Joe's place exists. It's not just a fun place, fun hangout. I was living in turmoil and chaos in my young years, and Jesus freed me. So you might be sitting here, you're living in turmoil. You're finding your worth in all the wrong places. I don't know where you guys are at, some of you. Tried everything to find happiness. You're empty, alone. Have you considered Jesus? Have you considered Jesus? Gaining that freedom. And maybe you turned to Jesus already at Kettleston, uh, youth retreat, right, encounter or something, uh, but you didn't take it home. You left it there. It didn't become a part of your daily life. It faded. You still, you know, go to church, talk about Jesus a bit, but, but deep down you, you let go of him. He didn't let go of you. You need to turn back. And if you turn to other things, you know those things won't lead to happiness, right? They won't. They'll leave you empty. And maybe... Maybe you've gone to church your whole life. You grew up here. Yeah, you go to Cornerstone, and so you hear about Jesus every day, but you've never made that faith your own. I was in Bible school, and I wasn't even a believer. I was just really good at faking it. So if you're faking it, you're not fooling yourself. And you're not fooling God, so what's the plan, right? It doesn't really make sense. And it's not easy but there's nothing better. And you're going to have to turn from your selfish ways, ask forgiveness from Jesus, your creator, your savior, who loves you and made you and doesn't make junk, doesn't make mistakes, and acknowledge that he's God, believe that he came to this earth, walked among us, loved us so much that he died for us on like a torture device, the cross. But the good news is again that he rose and he conquered death so that you could be free and live life for eternity with him. <clears throat> and sins, I mean, those are the things that you hate to do, you don't want to do, but you can't even stop doing, and that's the point. You can't stop doing them yourselves, and you don't have to. He will take you as you are right now, no matter what you've done. And he'll work on you just slowly and patiently. So if you want that freedom, even now, before I keep talking, just 
I don't know, just sneak out the back doors or just even right where you are. Just go talk to someone or where you are, just, just cry out to the Lord and just say, I want you, Lord, for the first time or Lord, I want you back like you were so vibrant in my life when I first turned to you at some youth retreat or camp. So don't waste any time. Just do it. It's worth it. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to say that it was all easy after that. I had a lot of rough edges in rebellion. Uh, I went out of my way to push all the Briar Chris rules to the limit. A lot of harmless fun, right? Um, you know, practical jokes, class clown thing all over again. That's what's sad about it. I was doing that over again, even though I'd given my life to Christ and I was at Briar Crest. Nipping, sneaking out of your dorm at night, that's what that is. I was like stealing people's dorm room doors and just hiding them on them. They loved that. About a 300-pound man reminded me of that the other day that I met in Regina. I'm like, oh, man, i got to be careful. I, I hit his door. Um, hulling a 1,000cc motorcycle up the stairs to my third-floor dorm room, driving it down the hall, you know, stuff like that. Mainly harmless fun, but still very distracting. Um, yeah, that was my dorm. The fire marshal said it was the walls were supposed to be no more than 60% covered by posters. Mine was 160% covered in posters. Um, Baggage of my past started catching up with me, and I was, uh, I was diagnosed with ADD before it was cool. Just to be clear, kids are popping riddle in like Skittles now, right? But back then, they didn't know a lot about this and how to, uh, to treat it and stuff, so wasn't sleeping that much. I found all these new healthy relationships, and I had turned to these new healthy relationships, my new social life, my new way to find worth. So even once we turn to Jesus, we struggle. We go back to some of these old things, this new popularity didn't help my studies, I overcommitted, I was trying to earn my worth, right, still, still trying to earn it, drama team, volleyball team, student body, activities coordinator, uh, really good things, but it still wasn't what God had planned for me, it was still my plan, still my will be done, managed to fail all 10 of my 10 classes, uh, so I was very consistent academically, <laughs> and um, the leadership there, super patient with me, to be clear. Uh, they loved me enough to challenge me, and I didn't respond well, and so then they loved me enough to set me free. And <laughs> there I am. <laughs> Dumb little butterfly, hey? Right into the bug zapper. So I moved to Moose Jaw. Lived in a boiler room for a while. Dirt floor, spooky basement, weird roommate. Won't talk about that. Shower... Showering at the, oh, there you go. There's my scary basement. We're going to do a Joe's Place reality tour someday, just because people don't believe these stories, I don't think. Uh, showering at the highway truck stop, just standard hobo Joe fare, you know. Um, I knew I had to do something with my life. Something needed to change. And so I, I asked God to break my rebellious spirit. Oh, man, rookie move, hey? Um, that is dangerous. He obliged me beyond my wildest dreams. So I signed up for the army. And I was shipped over to Bosnia in 94 to do a UN peacekeeping tour to keep the ethnic cleansing from happening. And it was the hardest six months of my life. Um, no friends, just being called. Uh, they had a great nickname for me. Armored Militia Maggot Bible Thumper. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, seeing the people of Bosnia just utterly destroyed by the brutality of war. Uh, seeing the suffering of orphaned children. Uh, the kids would just run after our trucks. And they would just say, Mr. Mr., give me lunch bucket. Give me bonbon. Give me cigarette. And, of course, the cigarettes were to dull the hunger pangs, right? <clears throat> so we try to throw them out just kind of to the edge so they could not get hit by other cars and stuff, but not too far into the ditch because there was landmines in the ditch, so that was tricky. Started realizing how good I had it back in Canada and how selfish and rich I actually was, 
how I'd taken for granted, you know, things like electricity and clean drinking water and walking on the lawn without getting your leg blown off. A few times I just got to the edge of the sidewalk and just stopped, and then I'm like, no, it's okay, I can keep going. Um, realized exactly how much I'd wasted my time at Bible school, trying to be the popular one and, and the funny guy breaking every rule, getting involved in everything. So Briarcrest students, don't make uh, God send you off to a war zone to realize that you've got to study. You'll need it later. Um, I returned to Canada committed to serve God with all my heart uh, rather than serving my own arrogance and my own cool reputation and popularity, right? Back in Moose Jaw, looked out my main street warehouse apartment window, noticed youth that were just driving up down the street, uh, destroying their lives with the same things that almost destroyed my life. Self-destructive behaviors. Uh, inviting um, my peers into my apartment was just sort of a natural thing. I mean, they just needed help, and I needed to get out of my past and stay away from my past. So they started to hang out in my apartment uh, without the negative influences of drugs or alcohol. And, uh, oh yeah, there I am. Check out, uh, there's a close-up. Check out the mother of all fanny packs. It's hard to see, but that thing is huge. And, and it would hold a video camera. Now, some of you are not impressed. Let me be clear, that was a VHS tape taking video camera, okay? So that thing is huge. Fashion tip, they're coming back. I've seen them. Youth would ask their friends, what are you doing this weekend? And uh, they'd say, going to Joe's place, because it was simply my apartment, right? Some had trouble finding it, so we put a sign in the window that said Joe's place, and the name stuck. And that's Jerry Hillman. He's back there. Wave, Jerry. Hello. Yeah, he came out. You'll hear about him later in the story as well. He should not have been on that poll, to be clear. That was unsafe. <laughs> Did not condone that. Soon 50 youth were coming out, then 100. Uh, we had a live band perform. We made a stage out of uh, old ping pong tabletops and milk crates, super safe, CSA approved, I'm sure. And um, we had about 300 people show up to my 700 square foot apartment. It was a little scary. Uh, the police came as well, obviously. And they came in and they said like, they sniffed and no booze, no drugs. We don't know what's going on here, but party on, we got a domestic dispute to go to. So we've had a great relationship with the police ever since. And uh, yeah, some pictures. And that is, oh yes, that is a silk shirt. And they are the height of 1990s fashion. They're very light and airy. You should give them a try. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was totally in over my head, right? I did not know what was happening here. And youth started turning to Jesus. Now, the first time this happened, I, it actually surprised me. I, I didn't know what to do with it. I'd taken a bunch of my new buddies out to Youthquake. And uh, they could check out the weekend, right? The speaker resonated with them. And, and so we drove home, and then some of them were hanging out in my apartment, helping unpack some stuff and, and chilling after the weekend with no sleep. And, uh, and it got later and later, and one guy left, and then another guy left, and there was these two guys left. And I'm like, come on, guys. They're playing video games or something. I'm like, you guys got to go. I need some sleep. And uh, finally, Keith leaves, and uh, Dave is gathering up his stuff. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. And he stops, and he says, Joe, can I ask you about Jesus? And I'm like, oh, seriously, you could have just done this a little sooner. But of course, I told him what Jesus had done in my life and how he changed it. And uh, Dave just broke down and he wept, cried out, asked for forgiveness, for Jesus to come into his life and to take over. And I mean, I, it was unreal. I was just a master. I hadn't slept all week and I was tired in the first place. I was just bawling. Then after a while... Um, Dave just looks up with a start and he says, Joe, we got to go tell Keith. And I'm like, seriously, he was just here. If you had just done this a little sooner, could have killed two birds with one stone. But I'm like, dude, it's super late. Let's wait till the morning. And, and Dave is like, Joe, are you crazy? I have never felt this free in my heart. We got to go like right now, man. 
Like, this is our good friend, and we need to tell him this amazing news of the gospel. Okay, so we climbed his super sketchy fire escape, and uh, we threw rocks at his window to wake him up, and again, every time I tell the story, I'm like, this was not smart. I was young. This is the story of the irresponsibility of Joe. Uh, we finally saw his light go on, and he just whips open the fire escape door, and, and he's like, what the heck are you guys doing? You're on my fire escape. It's four in the morning. You're throwing rocks at my window. You're going to break it. I don't have to pay for that. And Dave's like, I know, dude, it's crazy, but you got to hear about this. It's totally awesome, man. <clears throat> Dave goes in and clear as day. He'd been a Christian for about half an hour, and he shared the gospel with Keith so clearly. And Keith turned to Jesus right then and there. <clears throat> we had this big, cool freedom, and, uh, freedom from vice and addiction destruction party. Just breaking and ripping up and flushing all kinds of cool things that neither of the guys wanted anything to do with anymore. And Keith actually moved in next door to me to be disciple, but also to help run Joe's place and, and disciple other youth who turned to Jesus. And more youth did start turning to Jesus. I started bringing youth to church with me, and uh, it was way too many for me to handle. I, I hate to admit this. Oh, there's Delise Jones, Hector. Uh, Keith, just seconds before I took this picture, actually had the communion cups in his eyes. So there is a learning curve. <laughs> there is a learning curve. Um, so I took a second picture, wound up the camera, put in the color film this time. I had stepped up. I was in over my head. I'd started going to Hillcrest Church, and I met some amazing people here, just incredible people. Rob Chartrand and Alan Buchanan both endorsed Joe's place in a formal letter. They said, Joe, you got a funny side and a real serious side. Get on your serious side. Get on your best suit. They made a little appointment for me to speak at the Musha ministerial meeting. And then Rob and Alan helped to form a board of directors for support and accountability. Um, Hillcrest started taking donations for better accountability and so people could get tax receipts. Alan served as our Joe's Place board chairman for many years, continued to endorse Joe's Place vocally throughout his very well-lived life. <clears throat> um, in those early years, I'd been a <clears throat> become a youth sponsor here at this church. And the youth group kids and leaders started coming out to help run the youth center on weekend nights. So I would bring Joe's Place youth from Joe's Place to uh, Hillcrest Youth Group, and then all of us would go back to Joe's Place to run Joe's Place, and then back the next weekend it was great. One of the most fruitful times in the ministry of Joe's Place because the church in Joe's Place was just so connected, so intertwined. And I got some pretty sweet pics here. Uh, yeah, uh, there we go. Janice, Falk, Lamb, Delise Jones, Hector, scarfing down some cake. Kevin Steniowski. No, next one. Go back. Go back one. Kevin Steniowski there. He's got a homemade Joe's Place security shirt. Of course he does. Of course he does. He's going to keep the place safe, make his own shirt. Uh, Starla Benson, Nikki Hill, Nick Lamb, Danielle Couture Jansen, Kurt Buchanan. Look at that cute little rosy cheek guy up there, hey? <laughs> Look at that, that's him. Uh, Adam Steniowski, Tara Jones in the background there. Kurt again, he's just there a lot. Oh, you can barely see Tara. Kurt and friends again, the next picture. Uh, hiding under the table. I think they're scared of the youth maybe by this point. There's some scary youth at the Fairford location there. Um, Kurt again, and this time though he's moved out from under, he's now on the table. There we go. And uh, Kurt was very involved actually. I found a lot of pictures of you, man. And uh, leading worship at the uh, Bible studies, a couple of pictures of that. Uh, we got another one here. 
Cam Church and friends, look at that. Actually, Sharon Church was their number one school ticket sales rep. Just a little point there. The Falk family DJ team, oh, look at that, that is so cute. Amanda Dryberg there, she won the Survivor Party that year. Krista Markmer, Scott Francis. Oh, Jeff Lewis, look at that. That's great, eh? That's at the hair scare competition. And then uh, finally, Steve Adkins shows up at the age of 15. We've been waiting for, just kidding. It's about time, because I need help baptizing some of the bigger, beefier Joe's Place kids, right? I almost got re-baptized this time. I don't know if you remember that, but Matt's a big dude, and I almost fell into that baptismal tank, so. Anabaptist. Um, lots of Hillcrest history. You guys are a part of it all. Lots of Hillcrest history. Um, again, more youth kept showing up. I couldn't handle it all, so Briarcrest College students showed up, and uh, they started helping out, just helping run the place, and Briarcrest students have played a vital role ever since. And by this time, I was back to my classes at Briarcrest, and I was actually applying things with hands-on practical ministry, and, and that made a huge difference. And so I miraculously graduated with a BA in theology in 99. In the midst of that, I married my beautiful wife, Karen, and she's a total brainiac, helped to organize the whole ministry, made it more official and efficient. And I want to tell you just a few more stories uh, that I haven't told anyone in a while, uh, because again, it's just this symbol that God is in charge. There were times when I wondered, God, are you even still in this? But again and again, God showed us that when things were looking bad, it appeared hopeless. He was still there in the storm. So really quick, in those early years, Karen and I, um, we would run the place together. And so we would run the weekend nights one Monday, we were collecting all the recycling to go to Sarkan, and we needed to buy food for the next weekend, Joe's Place event, right? And so I moved pretty quick, ask anyone, and I had two bags full of Sarkan, and I was going down the stairs, and it was a pretty sketchy building, and uh, one of the stair railings was broken and quite sharp at the top, and so that pronged, right, the, uh, the first bag in my right hand. The other bag was filled with glass bottles. It kept going down. Then this one ripped free, and I pretty much, that momentum carried me to the bottom of the stairs, and then my foot just folded in half, like feet are not supposed to really fold in half. So that was a bummer. Still needed money for the recyclables, though, so decided to still go to Sarkan. Got in the car, uh, pressed on the gas pedal, but it just sort of kept, you know, bending in half. This was not working. <laughs> Could not put the pedal to the metal. So Karen drove. And after we got our recycling check, we still went to Sarkan, unreal, uh, went to the hospital, and yes, my foot was badly broken. Now, that sounds like a bad thing, uh, but I had been relying on my army job and my, my bricklaying uh, for funds. And actually, oh yeah, I actually ground up personally all the mortar in every brick in St. Aidan's by, um, down by the bus station there. Anyway, there was no chance of that type of work now, right? I couldn't do that physical labor. It was impossible. So the board of Joe's Place decided to hire me, actually with a Canada Summer Jobs grant. And then I just took an office chair and like grabbed the, uh, the backrest and then put my knee on the seat and then just pushed myself around like a skateboard. And that's how I ran Joe's Place. It was awesome. Now, God um, didn't do it, but he did allow it. And before this, I was working a 40-hour week or more with the army because I was trying to do that as well. And then coming home and trying to run Joe's Place on the weekends or run a Bible study and my mind was all frazzled. And now I could put all of my energy into Joe's Place. It grew me personally in character, right? Uh, patience, humility. I had to ask for help reaching tall things. And it, it grew my uh, office chair skateboarding skills, which is super helpful to this day. No. 
Um, it grew the ministry. That's what it did. And I wouldn't have thought that that was a way God could grow the ministry. So many times when God provided financially, um, both for the youth center and Karen and I. I remember one time we just wanted to have some Joe's Place kids uh, over for Christmas, and we had no money, so we couldn't do it. And um, I remember we were just sitting, we didn't have a couch even, we were sitting on some, some pillows on the floor, and, uh, and the doorbell rings, and, and I go over to the door and open it, and there's no one there. I'm like, oh, super funny, that's so original, knock, knock, you know, and then run away. And uh, I mean, I'd chase you down if I had my office chair. Um, but uh, I look down, and there is a superstore bin with everything we need for a Christmas meal. And we hadn't told anyone about that need, and it was just incredible to see how God provided. So why do I worry so much? Another time, really short on cash, come outside, and there is an envelope with balloons tied to it, just tucked underneath my windshield wipers with exactly the amount of money that we needed to pay the bills. And uh, incredible. I, I hope someone was hiding in the bushes just, you know, w- watching, because that could have blown away and made someone else's day, right? <laughs> Blessings from above. Um, we hit another hard time. I had to, to sell my uh, Chrysler, Chrysler Daytona Turbo Z, sweet-looking car. Uh, not that reliable. Um, so sold that, and Pastor Allen gave us a motorcycle to use, which, praise the Lord, it was so cool. I'd sold my motorcycle to pay my Briarcrest bill, and so now I got a chance to ride a motorcycle again. Uh, glitch with all that is that Karen and I were still buying the groceries for Joe's Place. So I don't know if you've bought groceries on a motorcycle. Uh, what you have to do is you have to buy two of equal weights, or four, and then put equal weights on each handlebar, and, uh, and then it balances out. So picture that already, pulling up to the lights on that contraption, Karen and I. And this particular motorcycle, Kurt, I don't know if you remember this, had a, a revving problem. So, um, so yeah, we pull up to the light, and this sporty-looking car pulls up beside us, and, and suddenly our motorcycle just goes, <laughs> and, like, you see it in the guy's eyes at, it, it, beside us, and he's like, dude, I am not racing you. You have grocery bags <laughs> on your handlebars. Eventually, another generous guy from Hillcrest Church gave us a 1981 Chevy Malibu Classic that was bound for Iraq as a taxi, and uh, the deal fell through, and Chevy Canada got stuck with 25,000 of these stick shift Malibus, built for the desert. Not great heat. Best air conditioning I have ever had in a vehicle to this day. And man, could that trunk fit a lot of groceries. It was awesome. And it took us everywhere without problem. Anyway, all that to say that there have been many times throughout the years we've run Joe's Place when things have looked bad, looked hopeless. God was there. He got us through it. He didn't always keep us from the pain or from the suffering, but he kept us through it, sustained us through it. Maybe you're going through some tough times, uncertain times, financial, health, whatever it is. Things might not look good right now. And God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we'd want, thank goodness, because we ask for some dumb things, let's be honest, right? But he does give us what we need. So in the words of C.S. Lewis, whether we like it or not, God intends to give us what we need, not what we now think we want. Matthew 6, 25 to 27, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not so much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? 
And then later on in verse uh, 32, it says about seeking after these earthly things. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So be encouraged, people. God's got you. He's in control. Don't worry. To decide if I'm telling my last story. Any thoughts? Just do it? Okay, here it is. Speeding along. Final story to nail that point home. I don't want you to leave here having not figured that one out. Um, we had clearly outgrown the apartment. God provided a bigger building. Church of God rented us a building for 150 bucks a month. Can you believe that? You couldn't get anything for 150 bucks a month. Not long after that, though, they received an offer to buy that building. We're going to lose our facility. No place to move to. Times were perilous. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. At the same time, a little incident happened uh, on a calm summer's night. About six to ten cars rolled up. Twenty-five youth poured out, uh, drunk and high, beer bottles, some of them in their hands. Before we really knew what was happening, me and my two doormen, Jerry was on door that night, were surrounded. Uh, the crowd yelled insults. And as I turned to the left to kind of comprehend what was going on, the biggest guy, six feet tall, 200 pounds, probably just ran at me and just nailed me. And I was stunned, uh, blinded by blood. They swarmed us. I woke up covered in blood. Saw so four youth kicking uh, my uh, doorman in the head. He was going to try to come today. Corey, are you here? No. I don't think he could come. He was working. Uh, he lay curled in the fetal position, and I thought they were killing him, right? And so I, I struggled up, and I, I dragged some guys off him. The police sirens were blaring. They all jumped into cars and took off. It was crazy. Um, the ambulance came for my beaten doorman, Corey Mad Dog Madsen from, an, from Eston. He had uh, come out here, moved to help with the youth center. And by God's grace, he was fine. He just stood up and he went, oh, my head. If you knew him, you would know exactly that's how he said it. Oh, my head. He was fine. I started to go into shock. Uh, took me to the hospital with cracked teeth and right side of my face was caved in, deformity on my temple. X-rays showed possible skull fracture with a brain hemorrhage. That's life-threatening, so they rushed me to Regina for a CAT scan. And, and I was, yeah, I didn't know where God was in this. But the church awakened, figuratively and literally. The church prayer chains fired up. This is before Facebook, right, and email. You had to call someone, and just one person called the next, praying for my health. My brother was actually in Minneapolis at a Promise Keepers event. It flashed over the jumbo screen. Um, X-ray showed here in Musha, skull fracture with a brain hemorrhage, big bulge on the side of my head. An hour later in Regina, no medical procedure done. CAT scan showed nothing. No crack in the skull, no hemorrhage. So x-ray technician, maybe is a little off that day. Or maybe God healed my head. No medical procedure, just prayers. Doctors said, actually, that strangely, the bulge on the side of my head was just filled with air. And I always say, I could have told them that and saved the taxpayers some dollars, <laughs> right? Uh, had to wait uh, for reconstructive surgery to rebuild the face. Uh, waited 10 days for all the swelling to go down. Um, a doctor showed me he'd have to cut in here. And, and he says, then we'll go in with this special device, and try to pry your cheek. And I'm like, special device? Dude, like, that is a screwdriver. He's like, well, yes, but it's very expensive. <laughs> and it's stainless steel and CSA approved. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man. And so they went in. Um, I swear I saw a Mastercraft label on that thing. And... Um, <laughs> 
they cut in here and they shoved the screwdriver in my face and to their surprise, they, they popped out the cheek and in that short 10 days of letting the swelling go down, it had fused together. And then when they sort of pried it out, it sort of hooked and whoop, hooked and stayed. And uh, so they were gonna put all these metal plates in my face to hold it together and, and it, they didn't have to. I just woke up with this piece of tape across my face that said, do not press on face. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that anyway? So just had to repair some eye damage, rebuild the uh, busted eye socket, and um, cut in here, put in a, a prosthetic plastic eye socket. No metal plates, don't even go off in airport security, super handy. Uh, had to eat blended pizza for a while. Uh, very few side effects. Double vision, but I always just joked I read twice as much as everyone else at Bible school. Um, dental work a few years back, pretty amazing. But he used it not only in the healing touch, but to glorify his name. So now my army buddies were super mad about this, obviously, and the Joe's Place youth were ticked, and so it was going to get real violent. So I felt I needed to respond. I wrote a letter to the editor and uh, urged people not to take revenge, to, to forgive. And apparently that's not that common in this day and age. We would understand that, but in society in general. So CBC said, can we talk to you about forgiveness? And I got to do a whole radio interview about God's forgiveness. It was awesome. Youth came to my bedside, gave their lives to Christ. I got to meet the main guy and uh, offer forgiveness and, and we're good friends and we just prayed his, his little daughter, a uh, beautiful girl through her le leukemia, she's cancer free. So it's kind of neat relationship there. It seemed out of control, but God used it. And then that offer on our building, you know how we were about to lose our building, right? Um, they were gonna buy it out from under us. Well now, the church that owned it said, give us 30 grand, like that's all, you know how little that is, right? And, but we still didn't have 30 grand, but because of all the publicity, we raised 30 grand in 30 days and just bought a cash. It was very cool. Now, I'm not trying to say that God, you know, did that, but he did allow it. But that wouldn't have been my plan, right? From the beginning, God's plan is better than our plan. Uh, you know, eating a McHappy Meal milkshake was not my idea of fun. But um, God uses all things to his glory. We serve a good God. And everything is okay if we're serving Jesus. He's in control. He's got us. Don't be afraid to take a crazy step of faith. Uh, go overseas. Do some ministry that you think you're not qualified for. Because if he's called you to it, he'll give you what you need to do it. He will provide what you need. And he will use us despite our weaknesses and our failures. So... Karen and I, we've been in full-time ministry ever since. Give her a hand because she's put up with me all these years. You're gorgeous, honey. She loves this. Give her more. This is her thing. No. She's a super extrovert, so the more you clap for her, the happier she is. Um, two, two amazing kids, Abby and Jack, who are both convinced they'll take over Joe's place when I'm too old and decrepit to run it, which they figure is not far off. Uh, that's the story of Joe's place. So what now? Really quick. Started a little late, but I'm, I'm going to give you the final little things here. Um, things are going great. Kids are making decisions. Look at your newsletter. There's amazing stories in there that you can read through. Uh, God is changing lives. Is there anyone, actually, is there any youth that used to attend Joe's Place that are here today and it made a difference in your life? So are, if you're a Joe's Place youth, stand up. Just wave. Stand on up. I just want to see because I invited a bunch of people. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Thank you for being here, guys. Uh, make them feel at home. Uh, as many organizations uh, have experienced, we've seen a slow decline in donations. Um, 
so things have been really, really tight lately. Uh, didn't get a few grants, some in September that were just postponed, and then the Canada Summer Jobs Grant, you know, that whole story. Some uh, real financial struggles, and I actually put out a fleece a while back. I, I felt uh, at this last financial crisis that I was not supposed to do some big plea. I was just exhausted, I couldn't anyway, but I just felt I wasn't supposed to. And so I put out a fleece, said, Lord, do you want us to keep going? And um, in March, Karen and I actually met on a Monday, and we looked, and, uh, and it was, money was gone. And so we were going to transfer the emergency fund over, pay the last bills, and then we really didn't know. We weren't sure what was going to happen. And uh, that Monday afternoon at 1 o'clock, I was supposed to meet her, and we were going to empty the fund. And that morning, went to the gym, and I got a text. And it said, do you have any financial needs at this time from someone who could not have known any of this? Not connected to Joe's place, really. What a coincidence. And uh, so I texted back that, yeah, we're about to drain the emergency fund. And they said, don't do that. Come and check, uh, pick up a check for that amount. And then they came for a tour the next day, Tuesday, and saw a Bible study and young moms and all this stuff going on and heard a youth sharing their testimony. And, and uh, they committed to monthly support to help us make up for some of this financial shortfall. So it's unbelievable. Now, it didn't, it didn't um, solve all our problems, but it did give me the kick in the pants that I needed because I still struggle with faith today to get going, even to book this speaking engagement. Uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. I don't want to do that. If God's not in this, I don't want to do it. So I want to reach out to this church in a new way. And uh, even just thinking back to those original days where we just... Hillcrest and Joe's Place was so connected. And I know we still are, but I just want to let you know there's ways you can get involved. I need to do a better job of mobilizing the church, getting you guys to use your God-given gifts and talents, getting you guys more invested, and, and I, w- I want to do that now. God's given me a little kick in the butt. But we would rather have your hearts than your donations. Let me just be clear. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so how you can help, uh, prayer, finances, volunteering, um, there's a, at the booth at the back, you can sign up. There's a clipboard. If you are okay, just getting an email from our volunteer coordinator saying, uh, hey, yeah, how can you help? And maybe it's just something simple like, you know, doing laundry after Cypress Hills for us or, uh, or cooking. Uh, we've been short on our Tuesday meals, big time. Um, that's an important meal in the week of a lot of kids. That's kind of the one healthy, secure meal that they get on a Tuesday night at our Bible study. And uh, actually, I just had a youth came up to me a couple of weeks ago and they said... Um, that thank you so much, Joe, for this meal that you, your people provide, your volunteers provide, because um, I'm struggling with an <clears throat> eating disorder, and this is the one secure meal, the stable meal where I know I I'm, I'm, have to eat, and it just stabilizes my week, you know. So, so maybe that's a way you could help out. You could sign up for that. Uh, weekend volunteers, we've been opening late. Um, we've been short on the weekends. So you could volunteer there, some young people. It's the best college and career in the city, the only I think, called and career in the city, and free coffee from our specialty machine. Um, if you signed up for the fun lunch, uh, not a long presentation there, just going to show you our latest youth testimony video, camp sponsorship, if you want to grab a youth sponsorship card there at the back as well. In closing, uh, that's all for me, and I just want to thank this church so much for your years of support, just faithful support. Um, you guys are amazing.